Amen. All right, y'all. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, I'm going to ask one more time because that wasn't good enough. How's everybody doing this morning? Okay, that's a lot better. All right. So church family, um, I'm humbled to be here in front of you this morning uh, to preach the word of God. And first I want to say hello to our Northwest congregation. Y'all are tuning in right now. Um, Hello, Northwest. Uh, I can't see you, but it's good to see you. Um, And also for our West congregation, y'all are tuning in right now. And I miss y'all this morning, but I got some wonderful people here that are are ready to hear me live. But but I miss y'all. I love y'all. I know Mindy did a great job this morning leading you and pointing you to Jesus. And then also if you're at our South uh, congregation or at our North congregation and you're not there this morning, I'm glad that you're tuning in. And for lastly, for those of you that are sitting in some cozy comfort right now, you got your comfy clothes on, you got your coffee and you're sitting on your couch, good morning. I wish you were here in this room, but I'm glad that you're tuning in. And then lastly, I'll say this, all the beautiful people in this room, it's good to see y'all. Um, I love being, uh, hearing about the things that are going on at our St. John congregation, and I love y'all. Um, I love what God is doing, not only here, but in the, our, our church as a whole. And I'm thankful and humble to be here this morning. My name is Jimmy McNeil. If you don't know who I am, uh, I am uh, one of the elders at our West congregation, and I also serve as the worship pastor at our West congregation. That's why I was giving them a little bit more of a shout out, okay? Um, We are hopping back into the book of Matthew, and we're starting a new series called Hope for the Hypocrite. Hope for the Hypocrite. And today's sermon is on humility. Yay! All right. Humility. Here we go. So if you uh, didn't know, it's really hard to preach on humility. Um, So your brother has been humbled a lot this week. All right. So uh, I'm going to unpack that some. But in order for me to unpack that, I need to remind you of where we were. So back in Matthew, we, we, before our, um, our series on reviving love, we were still in Matthew. So in Matthew 21 and 22, we saw that Jesus was in the temple and he was talking to the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and his disciples and a group of people were gathered around him. He was teaching and he had several mic drop moments where he hushed up the Pharisees. And this is one of those times where he had had a said mic drop and those Pharisees were hushed up. And that's where we find ourselves in Matthew 23. So let me read Matthew 23 for us. This is the word of God. It says this, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders but they themselves are not willing to move with their own finger, to move them at all. They do all their deeds to be seen by others for they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long and they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Church, the main point of the message this morning is this. Through humility, we confess that we are not God. Through humility, We embrace our need for God. And through humility, we reflect 
the glory of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, would you, in a humble way, Lord, that we want to just humble ourselves before you now. God, we beg you to speak to us. God, would you use me, Lord? I humbly submit to your leadership, your lordship. Would you speak through me? I beg you to do that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, y'all, so I want to walk through this passage verse by verse, and we're going to start with verses 1 through 3, and I'm just going to teach you what God taught me this week and how he humbled this brother. All right, so let's start with Matthew 23, verses 1 through 3. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do, for they preach, but do not practice. First off, we see that there's a crowd and it's not just a random group of people. There are his disciples, he's speaking to them, and he's also warning them about the Pharisees who are also around in that time. He tells them, yes, the Pharisees have been given authority. They've been given that, yes, they sit on Moses' seat. Yes, they're doing some things right. Yes, they are. They are telling you to observe the things that, that are good and godly. Yep, that's true. That's true. But their, their actions are teaching you something else. Their actions are teaching you something else completely. Look at what he says. He says, the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. This is where we get that phrase, do as I say, not as I do. Some of you parents might say that. But it comes from Jesus and it ain't a good thing, all right? So Jesus tells them to do what they say, but not what they do. Notice here, he's not talking about the things they tell you to do, but he's talking about them not doing what they are, what they are supposed to be doing. For they preach, but they do not practice. They do not practice. All right, hold up one second. Let me ask you, did that sting a little bit? Did it sting just a little bit? Think about that for a moment. Think about your own life. How many of us in this room are watching online right now, are watching at North or Northwest or, or at West Campus right now? How many of you are thinking, man, I don't know about me, but that's my roommate. <laughs> uh, that might be my spouse. You're looking at your spouse right now. You're looking at, are you thinking about somebody else? But I want you to take that plank out of your own eye before you look at the speck in theirs. There are going to be a couple of plank moments for you today. That is my prayer because it was for me this week. You see, you preach it, but you don't practice it. Think about that for a minute. What do you preach that you don't practice? What do you preach that you don't practice? Many of us tell others you need to grow in prayer or spiritual disciplines or join this group or join a group or serving kids, serving students, or that you need to examine your own lives, but you have not examined your own life. You're not serving in kids or students. You're not jumping in. How many of you parents in the room tell your kids, don't lie, you're not supposed to lie, it's not good, but you lie often and the way you do it is sneaky because you start to exaggerate or you start to omit things to your own advantage all the time. Do you see the plank in your eye yet? Whether it be things about social justice or caring for the marginalized or working out or eating better or reading your Bible, disciplining your kids, you preach it, but you are doing nothing. You ain't doing nothing. Would Jesus look at your life and would he say, do as they say, but not as they do? Would he look at your kids' lives and say, do what your parents say, but don't do what they do? Jesus tells them, 
So do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. He goes on to say this, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. The scribes and Pharisees pulled up great loads or piled up great loads on them, but they didn't help, nor did they create relief for them in any way to carry those heavy loads. They themselves wouldn't even move them with their own finger. They wouldn't even touch them. I was talking to this with my wife and, and, and she said this and it was, it was awesome. She said, man, this is so opposite of Jesus. What they're teaching and doing is so opposite of Jesus because they're adding more and more on your shoulders and saying, telling you to believe, making you believe that you have to do all this stuff. But Jesus said, I'm going to actually help you. And then she quoted Matthew 11. It'll be on the screen. He said this, Jesus said these words, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see the contrast here? Do you see it? The Pharisees don't help carry the burden, and Jesus says, actually, I'll go even further. But Take my yoke upon you and let me help you. You see, in the agricultural world, they would often yoke together a younger and weaker oxen with a veteran and a stronger one. And essentially, the stronger ox would do all the work while the weaker one just followed. And they followed along, not bearing hardly any weight, but following along and learning. You see, the Pharisees, instead of saying, be yoked up with me, no, don't be yoked up with me, let, let me help you. They didn't say that. They put the entire burden, on the, uh, burden of the yoke on others while they, they themselves did nothing. They did nothing. Are you helping others bear their burdens or are you making it harder for them? Are you helping others bear their burdens or are you making it heavier? Jesus says, I'm not coming to give you more and bring heavy burdens and leave that up to you to carry it along. No, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to be with you. And ultimately, I'm going to go before you and suffer and be able to sympathize with you. The Pharisees could not sympathize with those people they were leading. They couldn't. But Jesus can Let's keep reading. In verses 5 and 6, he says, They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. Y'all, when I read this, I was like, what is phylacter? Phil- what? Philobatteries? Phil- what is that word? I was like, man, I don't know what this is. I, st- I asked my wife, I said, babe, what is this word? And she looked at us like, I don't think I've ever seen that. And as I looked, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to teach a lesson today. So here's your teaching lesson, phylacteries, all right? Because I learned this and now you get to learn it too. So phylacteries, here's what they are. Um, you can find why they did this in Deuteronomy 11, uh, and I'll, we'll go to this in a moment. But they're small little leather boxes with tiny scrolls with scripture on them, and they tied them around their arm or their hands and they tied these verses or, or scripture around them and they, they put them right here between their eyebrows and wrapped it around with leather straps and y'all they wore this in public in public y'all they did this and then they wore long tassels on their clothes or, or borders on their garments in an attempt to conform to the mosaic law but they themselves they missed the mark 
They missed the mark, y'all. They did. Here's what Deuteronomy says. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. And you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall, see they did that. They bound them as a sign in their hand, right? And you shall, they shall be as frontless between your eyes. They put them between their eyebrows. They did that literally. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down. Yeah, they were doing that. And when you rise. They were in public doing this. You see, they were doing this literally, but, th- but putting, by putting these things on their arms, between their eyebrows, and some cultures still do this. Yes, it does come from Scripture. It does, but they missed the mark. They physically put them on their bodies and wanted these acts to be seen by others. But they did not lay up God's Word in their hearts. Do you see it? They didn't lay up God's Word in their hearts. Through humility... We confess that we are not God. And through humility, we embrace our need for God. You see, it's sad, but so many of us grow closer to pride than towards humility as we get older when it should be the opposite. It should be the opposite. Ask yourself this question. Have you seen yourself, the longer you've been walking with Jesus, the longer you've known and experienced Jesus, have you found that you've become more gentle? Would people say that you've become more gracious and forgiving, more willing to overlook wrongs done to you? Would people say that about you now? Would they say you're growing towards that? Or have you become more critical? Is anger something that is growing in your life or is it something that's shrinking in your life? The longer you've known Jesus, are you moving towards humility or pride? These scribes and Pharisees were held in high esteem because they knew God's word and they taught God's word, but they did not cherish God's word. They didn't obey God's word. The word of God was not hidden in their hearts nor obeyed in their lives. Many of us keep the laws of God, but we violate them in our hearts. This is deceit. This is deceit at the very core. We want to deceive others to think that we're this certain kind of Christian. We want to deceive others to think that we live out this certain kind of way. And even we even try to deceive God because (laughs) it's sad to me, y'all. We try to deceive God, but he sees all and he knows all. He knows your heart. The religious leaders were guilty of advertising the righteous deeds. Does that sound familiar? They were guilty of advertising their righteous deeds. They acted out the religious spirit Jesus spoke against in the Sermon on the Mount. And some of us need to take heed to this warning this morning. It says this, Jesus said these words in Matthew 6, beware of practicing your righteousness before others. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. In essence, y'all, What Jesus is saying is this, whenever you obey God's command, outwardly anyways, he's promising that you will get what your heart wanted as you're outwardly obeying. If you wanted on on the outside the approval of man and and that's why you obeyed on the outside, you will actually get that. But that's all you will get. 
If you did what you did to get man's approval, you will get it and that's your reward. But that's not the, that's not, that's not the only reward you will get. That is the only reward you'll get because you won't get God's approval. You won't get his praise. But on the other hand, if you obey on the outside because of on the inside, you're doing it to speak and glorify God's approval. You want God's approval to make him happy, then you'll get it. Jesus is saying you will get your reward, but what kind of reward do you want, church? What kind of reward do you want, Christian? Do you want the reward that comes from man's empty praise? Or do you want the reward that comes from the Father who is in heaven? Which reward, which, which reward do you want? Let's keep looking at the passage. It says this, they love the place of honor at feast and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces. They love the place of honor and both acknowledgement and in recognition. Y'all, when I got to this part, man, it hit me like a ton of bricks because at my core, one of my deepest struggles is the approval of man. It is. And I love, I love having some status. Y'all, I love being treated like a king. I do. I love status. I love being known. I love being, feeling good and, and being, being like, act like I feel known by others. I love being on a stage. Y'all, I do. I, don't get me wrong. A lot of that is good and godly. But if, if I, or I can often flip it from godliness to sin when I begin to do things for just for your applause or your approval or your acknowledgement or to be known by you. My wife and I have this running joke <laughs> and she says she, can't, she says she can't take me anywhere, all right? First off, here's the deal, I'm black, okay? Um, if you haven't noticed that, I got this beautiful brown skin on my body and my grandma, if she was in here, she'd say, yes, Lord, you do. Um, but I do have this beautiful brown skin and my mom would easily say, you have this beautiful smile too, son. So thank you, mama. Um, and and I, I know that, I guess sometimes people recognize my face is recognizable at times, but I'm a black man who is often in predominantly white spaces. So of course I stick out. I stick out because I'm different and I'm proud that I am different. I'm proud of my heritage and where I come from. But in my line of work, I get the privilege of traveling and doing ministry all around the country. And, and more often than not, when I'm with my wife or I'm somewhere, out of the blue, someone walks up and they say, are you, are you Jimmy McNeil? And then my wife, who sometimes hates it, uh, she doesn't like it sometimes because I like to chit chat just a little bit and I like people, all right? So I'll start talking to them. Next thing you know, I'm asking them how they're doing. I'm asking how I can pray for them. I'm learning about things in their life and then I pray for them I, and I start praying for them. And my wife, um, it's funny y'all, but like my wife, uh, all you introverts in the room, just like her, are like, man, that ain't me. That ain't gonna never be me. So you do what you do. But I will say this. There was this one time, y'all, this even happened on our honeymoon. <laughs> um, but there was one time we met this older couple in the airport. And, <laughs> and I talked to them and we're in this conversation. And then next thing you know, we talked for like 25, 30 minutes. My wife may say 50. But we talked for a short amount of time, it felt like. And then I started praying for them because I had prayer requests and I asked. So I'm praying for them. And the next thing you know, we hear this. Attention passengers. With Jimmy McNeil and Stacy McNeil. This is your last and final boarding call. 
the doors will be closing. We are about to close the doors. And y'all, my wife was like, stop praying, let's go. <laughs> and we didn't miss our flight, thank, thank God for that. But y'all, it's funny, but I do love people. I love people, but I'm sinful. I am. I really like being known and I like the praise of man. Can I say that as a pastor this morning? I do. I can confess that to you this morning. And y'all, we like to paint this ugly picture of the Pharisees, that, and they deserve it, they do. These are the only people that Jesus yelled at, but we paint such an ugly picture of them that we don't believe that it's possible in any way that we're anything like them. And perhaps some of the Pharisees at least didn't just begin with loving the approval of man. Maybe they were like me or like some of us or some of you listening right now. Maybe they began just loving people, loving being around people and, and talking to people and making them laugh and making them smile. And then somewhere along the way, somewhere in there, it became their ultimate, craving men's approval, even at the cost of God's approval. It says they love the places of honor and acknowledgement. They do. And I had to repent of this again this week. I had to repent to God again this week because deep down in my heart, sin creeps in and makes me love the applause of man more than God telling me, I'm pleased with you, my son. I'm pleased with you, my son. Church, is that you today? Is that you today? Do you try and get people to like you so that, they, that you have their favor? Do you make your story sound better by adding a little more flair to it? Or do you tend to put people down or someone else down for a laugh or so that you can look good in front of other people in their eyes? Do you do that? Do you want power, the best seat in the house, this title or that status or those accolades so that people finally respect you and see you the way you hope they always would? Is that you today? Is that you today? Can you resonate with the warning that Jesus is giving? Do you see the plank in your eye? Jen Wilkin said it this way, and I love Jen Wilkin, y'all. She's awesome. She says, don't use titles of respect in ways that diminish what you really are. Check your motives. Why are you saying the things you are saying? Why are you doing the things that you are doing? Jesus continues and he says this, being called rabbi by others, he's talking about them in the marketplaces and being called rabbi. And he says, but you are not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you, you all, you're all brothers and call no one your father on earth for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors for you have one instructor, which is the Christ. You see, as I read this, I realized that he's not saying these titles are bad things. Because later on in scripture, we see that, that he tells us to honor our, our, our mother and father. He tells us to be good dads. And he tells us to be good teachers and instructors. He's not saying these are bad things, but he's digging into the heart of why people want to be called rabbi. Or why people want to be called father. Or mother. Or instructor. So he's not saying these titles are bad. But like the Pharisees, maybe some of us do them or get them so that we can get some kind of glory or some kind of worldly recognition. Social media is an easy target for worldly recognition, but some of us also want to climb that ladder at work so that you can gain this status. 
or you want to buy this house in that neighborhood so you can be a part of that group of people to look like that or look like them or, or you want to do this. My kids are going to obey me and they're going to look like they obey me because in public, I want people to know that I'm a good parent and I'm a good overseer. Again, pursuing these things in and of themselves is not necessarily sinful, but when you're doing it for the recognition and to be seen by others, it can become sinful. Can I tell y'all something today? From my heart to yours, I just want to let you know it ain't worth it. It's not worth it. The applause of man only lasts so long. The recognition by people feels good in the moment, but you'll always want more and more. The longing for being seen or known will only grow larger if you, like the Pharisees, pursue such things to gain earthly flattery or acclaim. I'm sinful, church. We are sinful. But I want to fight to not do things simply to be seen by others. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be, I want to, I want to humble myself and, and I want God to humble me to a place of being a humble servant. A humble servant. Spurgeon said it like this, the way to rise is to sink self. The lower we fall in our own esteem, the higher shall we rise in our master's estimation. And that's what we find in verses 11 and 12. It says this, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. I got another question for you. How do you respond when you're treated like a servant? How do you respond when you're treated like a servant? A lot of us have grown up with a sibling or parents, so therefore you've had a roommate. You might have a spouse. You've had a roommate before. So roommates in the room. When that roommate never cleans those dirty dishes or that coffee that they drank that morning, that they don't put it in the dishwasher, or when they leave the sink full of dishes or they, they get the trash, it's piled up, and the next thing you know, they don't ever take that trash out. Or they leave their clothes in the dryer for like a week and they never take them out. And you so kindly bless them by cleaning those dirty dishes putting their clothes in a basket, but you never, ever get a thank you for it. It's never acknowledged. Married folks in the room, when your spouse, <laughs> when your spouse leaves their plate on the table and then you just cooked the meal, you just like did your thing in the kitchen and everybody enjoyed the food, you didn't get a thank you, but they, everybody left their plates on the table and now they're playing with that other spouse in the living room and then that spouse walks up to you and says, hey, can you, can you take care of all this? I gotta go do some stuff real quick. You mind taking care of it, but you don't ever get a thank you? No, nothing. They don't acknowledge anything that you've done. What's your heart response then? What would it be? What is it? If you never got a thank you for your service, would you still do it? Is it worth it? Jesus says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. He says these words because he knows his disciples, y'all. He knows us. We also know the disciples, and a few chapters before that, they wanted to be like the Pharisees. And just like us, they were arguing sometimes about who is the greatest among them and who's going to have the best seat in the house. 
They were arguing about that. You see, through humility, we confess that we are not God. Through humility, we embrace our need for God. And through humility, we reflect the glory of Jesus. Ultimately, ultimately, family, Jesus is our best example of humility. He's our best example of humility and exaltation. You see, he shows us the best way to walk in humility. John 13 tells us this that he laid aside his outer garments. And you could say he put on an apron or put a towel around his waist. He poured water in a basin jar, a basin. And then right after that, he began to wash the crusty feet of them disciples. He began to wash every single one of their feet, even Judas, the one who betrayed him. He washed their feet. And if you've ever had the privilege of getting a pedicure, it feels good for somebody to wash your feet and dry them, amen? It does. Amen. It does. If you've had that, it feels real good. And you see, y'all, the roads were not nice. They weren't paved or clean. It was dusty. It was dirty. And there was animal waste all along the road. And feet were considered the dirtiest part of a person. And it was the job of the lowliest of servants to wash and clean feet. And this This is the position that Jesus is taking up. This is the position that he takes up. And this is the position that Jesus is calling us to take up as well. The lowliest, the lowliest of servanthood that's willing to serve others, even at the cost of getting their filth on us. This is ultimately the picture that Jesus was going to do for us by taking off his garment and being willing to lay down his glory and becoming sin for us that he might cleanse us. You see, through humility, we confess that we are not God. (laughs) We embrace our need for him and we reflect the glory of Jesus. He has the highest seat of authority. He has the highest seat of it, even above Moses, as it talked about earlier in the passage, or any other prophet. He has the highest seat, yet he came down to us. He stepped down from his highest position and put himself inside a utero and became fully human. He tells us to follow him. Instead of telling you to do more or pull up your bootstraps, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He didn't just give you heavy burden or a heavy load. No, he says, come to me all who are weak and heavy laden and you will find rest for your weary souls. Are you weary this morning? Do you need rest this morning? He doesn't just preach. No, he says, practice and do as I do. Observe me. He didn't do his deeds to be seen by others. No, he simply wanted to do the will of his father in heaven. He was a humble servant. Every single person that had an encounter with Jesus walked away glorifying God and praising God the Father. He didn't need to be called rabbi, but he was the best teacher. He was, he's our teacher, church, and he's our king. He doesn't want to steal glory from God the Father. He freely continues to give glory to our Father in heaven. Jesus is the best instructor. He is the Christ. He instructs us in word and in deed, and he says, follow me. Follow me. I want to be more like Jesus, church. I want to follow him. The greatest among you shall be your servant. And ultimately, Jesus is talking about himself here. He's talking about himself because he's the greatest. 
He is the greatest among them, and he's the greatest among us. And he came not to be served, but he came to serve. Church, let us humble ourselves before the Lord, our maker, with humble servanthood. Humble servanthood. Because through humility, we confess that we are not God. Through humility, we embrace our need for God. And through humility, we reflect the glory of Jesus. The only way you can truly do this or do that is if you know Jesus and you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And if you don't have the Spirit of God inside of you and you feel that tug right now to, to ask the question, how do I get that? How do I become more like Jesus? I want to encourage you, whether you're listening or in this room, I want to encourage you to simply pray and beg God to change your heart. To say, God, would you change my heart right now? Help me to look more like Jesus. A simple ask. And I think he's going to start doing it. I do. Just ask him to change your heart. And then if you did that or you said that prayer, you're going to pray that after when I pray at the end. I just want to encourage you. Get to know some people around you, other Christians that are at our church. Email us. Tell us you did that. If you're in this room right now, walk up to the front and talk to one of these leaders as we are up here ready to pray for you. Let us know that you just prayed those words and we'll teach you how to follow Jesus. I'll close by saying this. The spirit that guided Moses, the spirit that guided Moses was not in these Pharisees that Jesus was talking about described in this passage. He was not in those Pharisees. But Christian, that spirit is in you. He's in you. So I charge you with this from 1 Peter 5, verses 5 through 11. I charge you with this this morning. This is how I'll close. It says this, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. He might not exalt you here on this earth, on this side of eternity, but you will get exalted in heaven because it's worth it. It's worth it. So humble yourselves, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded and watchful for your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Resist him firm in your faith. Hmm. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the whole world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever and ever. Amen, church? Amen? Let's pray. Father, I beg you, Lord, would you do this for us? God, would you put our hands and our feet, Lord, on the floor in a beautiful way, and Lord, let us humble ourselves before you, oh God, our maker. And Lord, let us be people that say, God, I want to be more like you, Jesus. Let us be people that simply pray, God, would you shake up the ground of all our tr traditions, Lord? Would you break down the walls of all my religion because your way is better, Jesus? 
your way is better. And Lord, I want to be more like you. Would you change my heart? Jesus, make me look more like yourself. God, many of us that that are under the sound of my voice, Lord, we were convicted this morning. Lord, may we be people who confess with our mouths. Confess to you. Not just that you are Lord, but by saying that, Lord, we say that we surrender to you. We submit to you. And we confess our sins to you. And God, as we now respond to your word through song, God, would you move in power? Would you answer our prayer, Lord, of us wanting to be more like you? Would you change us? Let us fight against the approval of man or woman or anybody. Remind us, Lord, that you love us, you care for us, you see us, you know us. And you're all we need. Jesus, you're matchless, you're glorious. And now we sing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.